Before we open up to Colossians 2, I ask you guys to open up to Luke 1. Luke 1 is that, that great story with the angel Gabriel. And he comes to Zacharias and Elizabeth, really primarily to Zacharias. And he prophesies to Zacharias that he would be a dad. He was old. I mean, not as old as some of you guys. I look out there, you guys are super old. But he was old, you know. I don't want to name any names, but I see my friend Denny here, you know. And... And I'm going, to, I'm going to draw our attention to just a few verses in a minute. But before I say that, how many of you guys were excited about last week's building announcement? You guys excited about the building announcement? Yeah. Are you kidding me? How many of you guys didn't hear the building announcement last week? You're like, what are we excited about? Just raise up your hand. Let's just see a couple of you. I didn't hear, you know. I didn't hear. So go on YouTube. Find our YouTube channel. Find our app. You can download the app at any one of the app stores, and you can watch our services or listen to them, stream them, and check out the building announcement that we had last week. And in, in short, what we're doing, the building announcement is this, is that we're moving forward. We're putting our foot on the gas pedal. Listen, huge concept by faith. It's time. We've been looking for land for eight years. We've been trying to make a decision for eight years. I believe that God has used those eight years. It has not been wasted. God's used them to grow us and to prepare us for what he's doing, but it's time to go. It's time to walk by faith. And I want to encourage you guys, because if you're excited about the building, you heard about that next week that we're ordering the uh, building from a steel uh, fabrication company. We're going to get it on site just as soon as possible. It's COVID right now, so all the things are behind anyways. It'll, it'll be a while before that arrives. But we don't even own land yet. Okay, We don't even know what's going on yet, but we do know that the Lord has given to us this clear vision. And that's how faith works. That's how life works when you're walking in the spirit and you're walking with God. He reveals to us vision first. We call that hope. And the Bible says that hope is the evidence. I'll read it to you actually out of the book of Hebrews. I want you guys to catch this. The Bible says this in verse one of chapter 11. It says faith, everyone say faith. Faith Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance. Substance means the reality. Faith is substance of things hoped for. Everyone say hoped for. Hoped for. When you hope for something, man, you're just hoping, I hope that happens. I hope that happens. I hope that happens. I hope the ducks win. I hope the beavers win. I hope this happens, you know. You know what I mean? But you just don't know what's going to happen. So you don't really, I mean, we can hope the beavers win, and they won last night, so did the ducks. Good job, good job. Good job, go Oregon. If you're from Washington, sorry, sorry, you know, Washington, you know. But you don't really know. I mean, just honestly, if you're like me, you're that kind of fair weather duck fan. You don't know if the ducks are going to win. You don't have that kind of faith. I don't have that kind of faith. Some of you guys think they are. They're overrated all the time. Anyways, it's fine. <laughs> but I hope they win. And it's different with the Lord. And the Lord gives you a vision. He gives you declaration. He gives you clarity. And you hope for it. But then, listen, this is so different. And then you have the faith for it. The fortitude, the evidence, the substance. And faith is going to be evidence. That means it's going to be seen, weighed, measured. You're going to be noticeable in steps. And this is the Christian journey. Your life must be peppered with, salted with, full of faith. You can have all the hope in the world, and I hope you do, and I hope that hope is pointed in the right direction, not just in silly sports teams. And when you have the hope of what the gospel has declared to us, it's got to then be followed by faith. And faith is it's substance, it's real. It's action. It's steps. Remember when the spies were sent in to check out the promised land? God had promised it to them. It's the, that's why, spoiler alert, that's why it's called the promised land. 
God said it was theirs. You think there's any like doubt? Well, I don't know if God's going to do it. What? He said it. I believe it. That. That's it. So 10 Spies came out. And they're like, yeah, we saw it. It's cray cray. It's nuts, man. It's so good. There's the Macy's. There's a Target. There's a Walmart. It's nuts. But there's also a bunch of bad guys there. They're big and they're bad. So it's not going to work. It's too much. It's too much. It's a bad report. It was an evil report against what God had declared. Two guys came out there. What are their names? Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. And they came out and they said, yeah, we, we saw the same thing you guys did. Bad guys everywhere, provision and resources everywhere, and we're going to go take the land. Who's with us? We're going to go take the land. We see it. We have hope, but we also have faith. We're going to go into it. We're going to get after it. And the reality is, is what we're preparing to do here at the church is God's will for us. We believe that he's shown us that, just like he's promised to the children of Israel to provide. We believe that through counsel and through prayer and through waiting on him, he's brought us this far. And this is a big deal. It's going to take a lot of work. There's going to be opposition from the enemy. But how many of you guys think it's going to produce some big fruit? Okay, half of you? Good, 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 good. The other half, we just talked about you guys. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We believe it's going to be. You guys are raising your hand all day today. We believe. I believe. I hope you do. This is going to be fruitful. It's big. There will be opposition. There will be sacrifice. When Caleb, 40 years later, after his faithless compadres died, they all died. They wandered the wilderness for 40 years, and God's like, all right, all those guys, all those negative Nancys, all those, those guys, they're all dead now. Let's go in. And nobody wanted the biggest hill because there was giants everywhere. And Caleb's like in his 80s now, and he's been doing push-ups every single day. And he looks at the mountain, and he says, nobody, nobody wants it. I'll take it. I'm stronger now than I've ever been. I'm ready to rock and roll. And he was given that mountain and that glory and that opportunity to, listen, walk by faith. And when you step out in faith and you do the things that God has called you to do, okay, it's a journey. It's an adventure. And it takes cooperation with the Lord. As a matter of fact, I'm going to, before we get to Luke, just, I'm going to read to you out of Romans. Paul is speaking now in his writing about Abraham, who's the father of what? Thank you. Thank you, Red. I'm going to say that again. Abraham is the father of? He's the father of faith. You guys know that? He believed God when God said, let's go. Book of Hebrews says that when Abraham heard God's voice, he walked off his mat, this is so cool, not knowing where he was going. Big smile on his face. Now, how many husbands, when you don't know where you're going, your map quest breaks and you're Series got you lost. You're just smiling real big. This is fine. No, dude, we hate it. Abraham had no idea where he was going. He's like, let's go. He's, that's good. And, God, and God looked at him and said, whoa. Do you mean you're going to get along real good? In other words, you're my friend. You're my friend. Why? Because he believed him. He believed him. Now, you guys know the story of Abraham. Abraham never walked in that promise. It never came to him. It didn't even come to his seed. It actually came through his seed in the form of the man, Jesus Christ. It was all precursor. And yet Abraham walked off his map and began to set the tone for men and women who believe, listen, the word of God, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And in this whole process of building a building in the last eight years, I've been pastor here now for 11 years. And, and, and did you know that God's growing your muscles right now, your faith muscles? Faith is a muscle that you work every day. It's not a pill you take. It's not something you take, well, I got my faith pill, you know. It's like, I'm gonna you know, God's like, no, we're, we're, hitting the, we're hitting the weights. I'm going to test you. I'm going to give you opportunities. 
don't even raise your hand, but have you guys missed opportunities before to like walk by faith? For sure you have. For sure you have. Don't beat yourself up. There's more opportunities coming. This is what, what Paul says. He says in verse 14 of chapter four, he says, for if those, no, verse, verse 13, he says, sorry, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17, and my focal point is this, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Verse 17 again says... God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Is this, is this the experience you've had in your life as you read God's word? Does God in, in his word declare things to you? You're like, I don't see that yet. He calls me righteous. He calls me his own. He calls me more than a conqueror. He calls me anointed. He calls me gifted. He calls me chosen. This is, we all share these, these titles and yet you would look at your life and say, I feel like I'm surrounded by giants. I feel like there's opposition. I feel like there's so many things against me. And the Lord would say, yeah. What are you going to believe? What are you going to believe? But when you believe by faith that God is able to call those things that are not as if they already were. This is when you take your journey. And we do this, by the way, with our maps. Are you guys addicted to your map on your phone right now? Anybody addicted? Like you just forgot how to take directions and instructions. You don't even listen anymore. Man, we were driving to Seattle yesterday and Siri was having us do all kinds of crazy stuff, right? And I just trusted her. I was like, man, she's crazy right now. We're going for it. Like get off on this exit, jump that curb, give, give some money to that homeless person. You know, she was yelling at us like, whoa. And I don't even think about it anymore, man. Siri, I'm just going for it. Did you know that the spirit of the Lord and his word is like that in your life? He's gonna speak to you. He's gonna have you to trust him. And you and your intellect and you and your, your pride and you and your knowledge, you're going to say, I don't know, man. I don't know if I like this route. I don't know if I like this route. And yet faith comes by hearing here by the word of God. And so as we prepare as a church, it's imperative. Did you pray for me? Did you pray for our team? And that we don't miss this opportunity to grow the muscles of faith. This is a big deal. It's going to bear big fruit. It's going to be big time. It's going to be big. It's going to garner big opposition. It's going to be big. And that's why we have a shield of, what's the shield of? Faith. And the helmet of salvation, keeping our mind right. Boots, battle boots, boots of peace in the gospel. Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, sword of the spirit. Isn't it crazy that God calls us into Christianity and then gives us armor? I want sunscreen. I want the little surfer hat, you know? I want flip-flops. In your flesh, do you not? Don't you just want to check out and just like do something, you know? And he's like, no, no. Advance. Advance. Take the hill. Take the high ground. Jesus, when he was talking to Peter, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. That is the church. Gates are a defensive outpost. They're to keep people out. Hell is not on the advance, okay? It's defensive only. Christianity and faith is on the offense. 
and we are going into enemy lines and taking people out. The gates of hell. Gates are not, you're never going to get attacked by a gate, okay? A gate is ordered in order to keep you out. And sometimes you and I in our Christianity, we look at these gates, like, that's a big gate. I guess I can't get in. That's a big roadblock. I guess I can't get by. That's a big obstacle. I guess I should probably just eat worms and die or whatever the case is. Instead, the Lord says, no, no, those gates won't prevail. And find me a Bible story or two or 10 or 20 or 40 that don't prove this to be true, that God calls us to great things, that God calls us to high gates, that God calls us to locked obstacles and then gives us the keys. You know what's really fun about this whole thing that God's taken me on this journey is it's not just about the building. It's not just about the land. It is those, but it's about every single facet in my life. Every single facet. Can you imagine if South Beach Church became known as a very powerful church in the faith that the men and women, young and old, all beat up, all battered. Remember, we're a messed up church, right? Amen from somebody? Man, I see you guys. I see you. It's legit. Ready to rock and roll. And what if we just armored up in the name of the Lord and trust him for everything? I've been catching my mouth, catching my tongue, catching my words the last couple weeks when I say silly things that are not faith-filled and rebuking myself. Talk like that. Rebuke that. Do you have the hope, which is the vision? Do you have the faith, which is the evidence? This is the muscle work. This is where we're going. Some of you are like, ah, oh, man, I don't have that yet. That's okay. Faith is a gift. It's a measure that God gives to us. Wouldn't that be awesome if you started praying, Lord, give me more faith. And Lord, take the faith that I do have and exercise it. Let's go. And God will gift you with more faith as you steward the faith you have well. It's not ever going to be comfortable, by the way. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we just wait. Like, All right, I'm just going to wait till things are like, you know what I'm saying? No, no. I love, I say it like at least 75 times a year, maybe more in my preaching. Peter walking on water. It's just so silly, so crazy. Peter didn't have water walking shoes. He didn't wait to, to get his water walking license. You know, once I get my license, I can walk on water. Once I figure it out, he's like, the Lord, it's your will. Okay, it's crazy. Here we go. And he walked on water. Guys, Luke chapter one. Before I get to Luke chapter 1, just let me tell one quick story. We are going to get to Colossians 2, I promise. I got it all figured out. I got it all figured out. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, actually. I think it was Tuesday. Maybe it was, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember. We'll call it Tuesday. It sounds better. Now, on Tuesday, I got a phone call from a friend. Maybe it was Monday. Let's call it Monday. On Monday, I got a phone call from who heard about our project, heard about our, 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 our school, heard about the church, and was excited. And so this... this person called me and we started asking questions, the craziest questions I've ever heard. And the question that came out of this person's mouth was, okay, this school, it's going to happen. We got to be ready for it. It's going to be so cool. And, and then this person said, have you, have you thought about buying a school bus yet? And I thought to myself, I was like, uh, no, you know, that wasn't on my like top 10, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's on there. Kind of like asked me the question as if like, how's the bus coming? Like you, you're getting a bus, right? I'm like, oh uh, yeah. And I, I think that was the exact question. Is the school going to need a bus? I'm like, yeah, I mean, we need kids first, but anyways, you know, like, whatever, what comes first, the bus or the kids? I don't know. And it was so funny, because he's like, okay, look for a bus. And here's my, my answer. I said, well, I actually, now, now that you mention it, to believe it or not, I was actually looking at a bus about seven days ago. And he's like, you were? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, that's it. Get it. And I said, well, I don't know if that's it. 
because I don't, I don't know. I, was, I wasn't even looking at it. I was like on my Facebook on accident. I'm just looking at it on accident. And my friend says, well, if you were looking at a bus on accident, and I just asked you if you needed a bus, that's how the Lord works. Get it. <laughs> and then he asked me on the phone. He's like, find it right now. Find it on the phone. So I was so like, you know, hold up. You know, I don't even know where I found it. You know, you know, looking on it. And I found it. I was like, I found it. I found it. Here it is. Here it is. He said, well, how much is it? I said, well, it's $24,000. And he said, well, where is it? I said, it's in Wren, W-R-E-N. It's right up the hill, 40 minutes from here. And he said, well, do you like it? Is it the one? I said, I don't know, man. You ever bought a car before? (laughs) Usually it takes longer than like seven minutes, right? You think it through, you blue book it, you call 25 people, you sleep, you drag your feet, you know. And and he said, well, just set it up. And so I I messaged them. We began this correspondence and messaged them. And by the end of the conversation, it went like, I'm just, I'm going to be as honest as I can. And just, I want to, I want to encourage your faith. And my friend said, okay, well, let's go ahead. And he said, I'll just give you my permission. He said, go, go see if it's the bus. I don't know if it's the bus. Go drive it. Bring some people. Go, go, t- go, go see it and see if it is. And he said, how much is it again? I said, it's 24000 He said, okay, here's the deal. I don't know why. But why don't we, let's just get, let's plan on getting it. And when you get it, give them 25000 Give them $1,000 extra because two things are going to happen in this transaction. Number one, the school's going to get a bus. And, and number two, this family is going to have their debts canceled. And they're going to be relieved from this this pressure that they've had. And the, the extra money, I don't know if it's from the Lord or not. It might not be, he said. You, you feel it out for me, hands on the ground, eyes on the, or feet on the ground. He said, this is gonna bless them and encourage them and let them know that God is for them, not against them. And so we drove over there on Wednesday, me and uh, Larry Sorensen and Eddie Townsend and Tobias Cook, and we drove over there and, and we checked the bus out and we were looking at it. And so I was talking to this guy about to negotiate terms. You ever negotiate terms? It's so fun. And I said, how much is the bus? He said, well, it's 23.95. I said, well, would you take 25,000? And he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and it was a holy moment because I was able to explain to him. I said, look, the Lord wants to care for you. His name's Mario. He, and and I, said, I said, God sees you. He's a, he's a Christian. And I said, God wants you to know that he's taking care of you. If you need any extra money, if you have some of their debt, something, I don't know what's going on. He wants you to, to give him the credit and to know that he sees you. They owed exactly 23.95. That's exactly what they owed. They weren't getting any, any income on this, no flip. This is, they were hurting. And so we wrote it and he started crying. I said, let's pray right now. His wife texted me later on, about an hour later, she said, hey, hey, Mario, just told me what you did, and if you would have known what our account balance was before you gave us that $1,000 tip, how did you know? Like, how did you know? And, and when we had a plan, I said, hey, Mario, can you, can you bring and deliver the bus on Sunday morning? It didn't happen. But anyways, <laughs> she, but we do have a picture. Go ahead and put the picture up there. There's the, there's the bus we, we bought. <laughs> you can clap, it's okay. And it's, it's evidence, it's 38 passenger bus, and uh, it's fully paid for, the check actually came in the mail, here's the check right here, here's the check right here, came yeah. in the mail, praise the Lord. Yeah. And, uh, and here's the deal, I want to encourage you with stories like that, maybe once every week, because it's going to be, we're going to be in this together. I'm not going to dedicate every service to, to the building and to, to stuff like this, because some of you don't, don't want to hear about it, some of you are visiting, some of you, you know. It's not, not your deal, and I get it. So we're going to get into the Word. But I was at this conference in, in Seattle, and, and I really want you guys to get excited about the school. I think it's going to change your life. We were at a board meeting. Uh, let's not call it that. We were at a staff meeting. Let's not call it that. We were hanging out. About three weeks ago, and Mark Watkins in the back, he's on our board, and uh, he just stopped by to say hi. And I think we were doing some other stuff, and and we prayed real quick, about three weeks ago, before all this kind of 
sped up. And I, we were praying for the church, the church, the church. We prayed for the building. And here's how, here's how it happened. At the end of that prayer, Lord bless the church. And, all, and as an afterthought, but a very important one, Mark blurted out, and the school. And when he said it, it was like a lightning bolt in my mind and my heart. If you know, we've, we've tried to host a school here at South Beach Church for many years. I was on the board at Midcoast Christian School, and we tried desperately to make that, that school work. We tried. We funded it. We promoted it. We did everything we could to care for it. And we were going to host it here, but the city disallowed us. They said, you can't do it. It's light industrial. It doesn't work. And we were going to go to bat against them and lawyers and make them change the zoning and allow us. And long story short, the school died. It was a Lazarus moment, dead. And, and it was difficult. If you remember Lazarus's memorial, Mary and Martha were both disappointed. There was crying. There was mourners. Jesus wept. It wasn't easy. And yet you guys know that Lazarus died so he could come back from the dead. Not just Lazarus, but Lazarus, a precursor of a, a type of Jesus. Jesus had to die so he could come back. And I told that to some of the, uh, oh, the existing or the ex-board members that I was meeting with. I said, hey, the school died. Why? For, for reasons that we can discern, reasons we don't know, it's dead. And the Lord's going to bring it back, okay, better than before, with more momentum, with more power, with more influence, and for, at a better time. Have you guys ever considered the timing of the Lord? Right now, distance, learning, complexities in education systems, all kinds of problems, homeschool families, forced homeschool families, ah, you know. What are these kids doing here? You know, and then the Lord says, "Hey, how about we open up a school? And let's not just open up a school as a byproduct or an afterthought. Let's open up a school as a prime product and a forethought. Let's make sure we approach it in that way. We need a church, right? Church isn't that hard. Church happens on Sunday. We're going to be doing this the rest of our lives. This is what we do. Okay, I'm not even worried about that. The church is going to keep gathering." But the school, I believe, is what God has put on our hearts to fan that flame, to grab that little baby and to grow that baby. And I want to give you six points out of Luke chapter one quickly. Six, six points quickly. Good luck. I want to get to Colossians so bad. There's some really good stuff here. We're going to do it. Luke chapter one, verse 13. Read it with me. It says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth, Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Stop right there, eyes up here. You guys know the story. Zacharias is in the temple for the first time in his entire temple career. He's been invited in to the Holy of Holies to bring the incense and the offering. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity and he's ministering and the angel Gabriel shows up and says, Zechariah, I heard your prayers. What, what prayers did you hear? Because how many prayers did Zechariah have in his life? A bunch. The prayer that he heard was the prayer to have a baby with his wife, Elizabeth. Now, we know from this story that he's super old. Like, it's past that time. His wife's not a spring chicken, and he's not a spring rooster. It's not happening anymore. Is that how farming works? I don't know. I've never done farming. <laughs> I assume got that right. And yet the angel says, no, we heard your prayer, and it's being answered. And I want to encourage you who've been part of this church for a number of years or part of the Midcoast Christian School or part of the kingdom of God and have been praying. We've been praying. We've been praying. Our prayers have been heard. It's go time. And don't grow weary or discouraged in your prayers or your working for the kingdom of God or your stance of faith. 
I told the story last week. Last week, we have tried so many ways to answer that prayer. Do you not think Zacharias and Elizabeth tried to answer their own prayer? Give me an amen from some husband out there. Thanks, Dad. That's funny. Oh, we need a baby. Here we go, you know. No baby. Here's the deal. Their prayers were answered. Look at, look at verse 14. He goes on, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Even at the birth of John the baptizer, very young, just, just a baby. You guys know John the baptizer? He would be a precursor, a forerunner for Jesus Christ. Jesus would say of him, the greatest prophet to ever live. Well, that's crazy. He didn't even do any miracles. All he did was point to Jesus. You want to be the greatest person in the world? You don't have to do anything. Point to Jesus. John the baptizer. But at his birth, he's going to bring great joy. This is what I want our church to do from, from this point forward, is at the birthing uh, moments and, and steps that we're walking in of this, this school, okay, I want us to have great joy. I want us to be excited. It's not even here yet. John the baptizer wasn't even there yet. And he said, when the baby just shows up, man, you're going to be so fired up. And you know this baby is, is just a baby. As much as we love babies, they're just a baby. But that baby's going to become something. That baby's going to grow. That baby's going to change lives. Look at verse 15, uh, point number three I want you guys to see. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Stop right there, eyes up here. He says this child is going to be different than all other children. Why? Because he's not going to be like the world. It's going to be very different than the world. And I want you guys who are part of the church here to be excited about this school because it's going to be different than the world. It's going to be different than the world. We have an opportunity to create an environment where Jesus is king where prayer happens, disciplines and practices of prayer, and the spirit is, is, is given to kids at a young age, and it's going to be different, separated from the world. Look at verse 16, point number four. I want you guys to see this, and you can look at it later at your life groups. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Stop right there, eyes up here. John the baptizer's life would turn the kids to the fathers. I was thinking about our, the school that we're going to birth. And how our number one goal, I'm just going to say this, and you can send me an email and I'll delete it. It's fine. Our number one goal is not higher education. Okay? Our number one goal at this school is to turn the hearts of children to the Father. To make disciples of Jesus Christ. We're going to have professional educators, professional curriculum, professional testing. It's all there. Not even a problem. I mean, are you worried about that? I'm not worried about that. That's easy. You want to know what the challenge is? Turning the hearts of young people to the Father. Number one goal, raising disciples in Lincoln County. Changing lives at the very core of their being when they're born. Not just that, check this out, it gets even better. Not just turning children to the Father. Look at verse 17. And he will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the disobedient to wisdom and the just to make ready a people to prepare for the Lord. Check this out. It, John the baptizer did both. He turned the kids upwards, but because John was a voice crying in the wilderness, he also turned the father downwards. He turned the fathers to the children, and not just the father in heaven, but the fathers of Israel to their own kids. Let me say this. When a church or when a people focuses on the kids, and they have a heart for the kids, and they have a burden for the kids, and they have ministry for the kids, and they have outreach for the kids, and care for the kids, it's evident, it's indicative of the health of that church. It's a Jesus church. Now, let me say it differently. When a church takes its resources, and don't email me, I'll just forward it to Toby if you do. When a church takes its resources, and let's just call it when a church takes the fathers, which is the head, the head of the church, is Jesus Christ. 
And the head of the house is the fathers. That's what the Bible says. And when a church takes the fathers and says, let's focus on the kids. Let's do it. Let's fight for them. Let's fight for them. Let's make avenues and rows and ways that they can know Jesus. And these kids won't be kids long. I got three in the back, man. Hugging Noah now, it's like hugging a skinny man. He's taller than I am. They grow fast. And we're going to do that as a church. We're going to turn the hearts of the fathers, that's me, I volunteer, to be more concentrated, more focused, more into, more resource towards the kids. Our hearts are towards them. Their hearts are towards their father up in heaven. That's five points. I got one more. This is where we end on a sour note. Verse 18, and Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is a super old woman. That's what it says in like some translation, I'm sure. Let's give Zechariah, uh, you know, I mean, trip out. Come on, angel. Like 30 years ago, it would have been sick, bro. Like, where were you? This is ridiculous. I'm super old. My wife's super older, older. Like, she robbed the cradle. Not, not my fault. She did it, you know. That's what he says. And the angel's like, did I stutter? What part don't you understand? Now, let's give him some credit. Like, I understand a lot of it, bro. There's some physiological components here. Like, it don't work that way. Not only does it not work that way in this season, and maybe with a tear, it's never worked for us. We're, my wife's barren. It's never worked for us. This has never worked. This is the angel's answer. And the angel answered and said, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. (laughs) Aren't you glad God doesn't treat all of us like he did Zechariah that day? Like you just wake up kind of just, you know, having a bad day and the Lord's like, muted for life, you know, like, ah! He muted him for nine months. Zechariah's lips are zipped, you know. Can you imagine that pregnancy and that kind of, you know, experience? Must have been so wonderful for Elizabeth. (laughs) Having a quiet husband that just scared out of his mind doing whatever he said. (laughs) I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And just, if you're looking for a sign, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Zip your lips. Put your hand over your mouth. Put your hand over your mouth. And when you go to doubt the Lord, which will happen, you're, you're worse off than Zechariah. Zechariah's a better man than you. Let's just be honest. He's a, he's a temple priest. He's a good guy. Not a bad guy. <laughs> and yet an angel comes to him face to face and like just breaks it down, shows him stuff. I mean, an angel. Are you going to argue with an angel? Like, who would do that? Silly guy. And yet the Holy Spirit speaks words over us and he brings us into places in our life. And would we be a church in Jesus' name that honors God by faith, that hears his word from his word, but also receives the vision from the Holy Spirit and then evidences it by acts of faith, like buying a school bus before we even have a school. And I say that by way of encouragement. This is a big deal. It's gonna change our county. It's going to change the kingdom. It's going to change everything. 
in my silliness, in my smallness, I'm just Luke Fischel, I'm just a silly small guy, trust me, you know, I built a tall stage to trick you guys. In my silly smallness, I don't want anything to do with this. I just want to just, I just want to coast. And the Lord says, I didn't make you for that. I didn't make you for that. I made you for greatness. That's what he says to all of us. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The battle belongs to the Lord. Everything else around in our community, everything else around in this silly, small world is nothing. And it's going to come to nothing. And the Lord partners with us and invites us to say, hey, let's do this. And so I want you guys to apply this in your life on a macro level and a micro level. The macro level is to be part of the vision, part of the hope, part of the faith, part of the movement. Pray, get ready to serve, get ready to respond, get ready to be a part of the big vision, okay, of what's going on here at South Beach Church. Buy into it. Just buy into it. Say, yes, let's do it. Okay, that's macro. And then micro, maybe more exciting. Macro is your little, your life, your secret life, your marriage, your singleness, your ministry, your kids, your work, okay? To put your hand over your mouth when you start doubting the Lord. When you start trying to quantify and figure out how could this work and like Andrew did. I've got five loaves and two fish, but what is this amongst so many? And Jesus himself said, Andrew, that'll do. And he took it. Do you want to be pleasing to the Lord? I want to be pleasing to the Lord. It's impossible to please him apart from faith. This is, this is not going to be a waltz. It's going to be a race. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a fight. As it should be. What the Lord Jesus Christ has called us to march for and to be a part of is worth it. Macro and micro. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we give this to the Lord? Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you would lead us and that you would give us faith and that we would be pleasing to you, Lord. And even in our faithlessness, Lord, I think of the disciples' words, Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. And I pray in Jesus' name, we repent, Lord, as an American congregation that is led by so many other silly things. Lord, I repent as an American pastor that is led by so many other silly things, pressures, voices. Lord, we repent as men and women and ask that your voice, your word, would be tuned to our ears, we'd hear and we'd respond. I pray for the young people that are already with us here, even this morning, Lord, the young people that will join us, Lord, for our town that we will love on, that we will care for, that we will change one person at a time. Lord, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not on a war against anybody horizontally. We're in a war against darkness and lies. And I pray in Jesus' name for your provision every step of the way. Well, I don't even think one bus is going to be enough. And so we ask, Lord, that you'd provide. And I pray for my friends here that are listening and they're being very patient with me. I appreciate that, Lord, that they would grow on a micro level that is their own walk with you, that they would put their hand over their mouth and say, forgive me, Lord, like Job did. 
when challenged, when tempted to question his God, he said, no, I believe you. And we pray, Lord, we'd be full of joy. We'd be full of peace and hope this entire time. You'd lead us and guide us for your glory and for others' good. We trust you, Lord. Even now, would you put it upon the hearts and minds of men and women, what it looks like moving forward, to partner with the vision, even by way of just accepting it, to believe it, not like Zechariah did, who questioned, but instead like Mary did when she received her message and said, here's your maidservant, have your way. We love you, Jesus. Bless us now as we look into Colossians 2 for about five minutes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We just clap to the Lord. <laughs> I'm all fired up, man. I was with a bunch of pastors up in Seattle, and it was crazy up there. And if you take your Bibles now, Colossians chapter 2, look at verse 4. This is where we were last week, and Paul warns us, and he warns the church at Colossians. He says, now I say this, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. We are impacted by our words. We're products of our teaching. Whatever you subject yourself to, you're going to come out a student of. You watch Fox News. You watch YouTube. You watch CNN. You watch all the things all day long. You're going to come out formed and molded in that way, just the way it is. Be careful what you listen to. You're going to be persuaded by persuasive words. So make sure that your words are the word of God. Amen? Somebody? Amen. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 says, all scripture is profitable and is given for us through God by inspiration for doctrine, for correction, for reproof that we might be equipped for every good work. I kind of paraphrase, but there it is on the screen. God's word. The very first attack from the devil was on God's word. Genesis chapter three. Did God say, and he began to twist Eve's mind into what the word actually said. We got to be people of the word. What's it say in Psalm chapter one? The righteous are not so but they delight in your word and in it they meditate day and night. Like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Their roots grow down and their fruits come out. That's my addition. And they bear fruit in their season. This is why, man, I hope you love your Bible. I hope you love the word of God. I hope you know the word of God. Don't worry about all the conspiracies out there. As a matter of fact, if you're a person, a man or woman of the, of the, the scriptures, if you know the word, when all that stuff comes to you, all that jargon, all that junk, in ear, out the other ear. You just, you, that's not what I'm into. Paul's warning, don't be deceived by persuasive words. He goes on, he says, for though I'm absent in the flesh, yet I'm with you in the spirit. I'm rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He's pumped that they are pressing in. That they're taking this seriously as we gather there, and only four of our pastors had the opportunity to go up. Uh, one's in Lebanon, and two were obligated down here on the coast. And so we had four of us up there. And there was about two, maybe 300 uh, leaders up there at this church in Seattle. Men and women who are pressing into the things of God, and now are at their local churches serving all up and down the Oregon coast and all up and down Washington corridor. They're all over the place. And Paul says, I see you in Colossae. You're doing it. You're pressing in. You're established, and you're steadfast in the faith. Then he gives them some directions. Verse six, he says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. This is where we ended last week. It's so simple. Wouldn't it, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. It's not that complex. Let me go ahead and give you the tune-up of your life right now, okay? If you want every single thing in your life to get better, every single thing in your life to get better, spend more time with Jesus Christ. There's no other, there's no other new book out there. There's no other conference you need to go to or anything else. Your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. As you therefore received him, so walk with him. 
People get married all the time, right? Getting married is easy. It's so easy. Okay? Staying married is where the challenge is, right? Nervous chuckles out there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> As you got married, best marriage advice of your life, stay married. It's the best marriage advice you'll ever get. Remember when you got married? Most likely you got married and you were like starstruck, fired up, emotional connection, relational connection, physical connection, spiritual connection. Man, you were just... That's how you got saved. You didn't get saved any other way than Jesus Christ. Stay fired up with Jesus Christ. I've, I've taught this to you before. I'm going to teach you again. There are two pitfalls to your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're either going to become irreligious or religious. You got saved? Cool. The temptation is, is that you're going to become carnal, lukewarm, worldly. You were a believer at one point, but you veered off course. And now you don't have anything to do with Jesus, and you're carnal, and you're worldly, and you're weird. Okay, we've all been there before. Raise your hand if you've been there before. Okay? That's what makes our church awesome. Then there's the other side. You could actually get saved, but you not become irreligious. You become religious. Listen, please. This means that you're actually doing religious things. You're not doing worldly things. You're doing religious things, but you too, like the irreligious person, have left your first love. You're actually so good at what you do. You show up to Bible studies. You lead the women's group. You lead the men's group. You're on the worship team. You're part of the deal. You haven't talked to Jesus in months. You're a good person. You tithe. You serve. You give. You send out Christmas cards. You're so good. We haven't sent out Christmas cards in like seven years. I feel so guilty. But you guys are good. You go, you know, and, and you do the, and you become religious. There are churches and men and women that are better at what they do than what I do, and yet they don't love and know and fellowship and commune with Jesus Christ. Guys, let's stay focused on Jesus. You want the best advice you'll ever receive? Spend more time with Jesus Christ. A friend of mine was being restored in the ministry. He'd once before ruined his life, lost his marriage, lost his ministry, and had, by God's grace, received it all back family, ministry, through, through many years of reconciliation. And as he was preparing to lead a church again, he went and sought wise counsel, and he sought somebody who was wiser than him, and he said, how can I avoid destroying my life again? And this pastor smiled and said, it's all related to your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Spend time with him daily, and you won't become irreligious. Spend time with him daily, and you won't become religious. Now, I believe there's more religious people here than irreligious. Okay, it's the 9 a.m. The 11 a.m. is going to be the irreligious people. <laughs> the 6 p.m., we don't even know what's going on with those guys, you know, right? There's more religious people here. I would say I'm in that camp. I'm, I'm fired up. I'm going to show up. I'm a, I'm a fighter. And I can actually do the ministry. I can do the responsibilities. And the Lord looks at me at the end of a work week and says, hey, Luke, <laughs> I missed you, bro. You did a bunch of good stuff. Very religious. Good job. You're a good man. But just like the Lord rebuked the church at Ephesus, he said, you're doing good. Remember the, the Revel book of Revelation, chapter three? You're doing good. You got it going on. Man, you show up early, you stay late, you say to everything. It's so cool. You got hoodies. You got online ministry. Man, you bought a bus. Woo, cool. I got one thing against you. Man, what's that, Lord? You left your first love. So remember the things, the former things, and just come, come on back. This is going to change your life, by the way. If you don't spend more time with Jesus Christ after this sermon, you're like a person having looked in the mirror, seen it all out of whack, shut the book and not adjusted anything, and you're going to be walking all out of whack. It's not that hard. You want everything to get better in your life? More time with Jesus. 
I can't believe we were ending where we started last week. <laughs> or whatever. Yep. Kids are having fun. <laughs> Guys, the last thing I want to do is preach a sermon, get you all fired up. If you leave here, if I leave here, if I, if I walk the same, James warns us. He says, don't listen to a sermon and then go out there and not do anything different or right. Be a doer, not a hearer only. I don't even know what to say at this point in the, in the closing. You know, you know what's going to be the closing of the sermon? Sometimes we're supposed to have this, like, you know, wrap up. Like, and you know what the ending of the sermon is? The way we walk this week. <laughs> the way we walk this week. The way you look at your obstacles. The way you smile when giants taunt you. The way you look at your own sin and your Savior's plea to be forgiven. The way you respond when you feel the Spirit prompting you to call a person, to text a person, to do something. That's where we're going to see ourselves evidenced. Did we hear anything? Did we do anything? And it just feels like an interesting Sunday. I hope I'm not coming across in a way that's offensive to you, and I hope you'll take it up with the Lord. You know I love you. I love this church. I love this town. I love this community. And we need each other. Would you bow, bow your heads and, and pray with me? Lord, we thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name that you're so kind and so good. That's how we started out the service, talking about your kindness, and we took communion, and we celebrated you. And Lord, now we're looking at your word and the way you interface with Zechariah. And even though he had a blunder, he had weak faith, Lord, you said, okay, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to do it. And Lord, that's your character. And Jesus, you were with the disciples, and you were with them, and even they betrayed you, and they denied you, and you still did it. And Peter, he tried to quit at one point. He had failed so bad and come up so short. He's like, oh, man, I better just leave this whole ministry thing. And, and you said, no, I got stuff for you, Pete. I got stuff for you to do. And if you're here this morning and you would be a volunteer for the Lord like Isaiah when he said, here am I, send me, oh, Lord, I'll do whatever it is you want. And it's not because you're perfect. It's your, because you know your imperfections. If that's you, if you would want to volunteer to the Lord, say, Lord, I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, I love you and I need you. Would you just right now respond by raising your hand? No one's looking. Your hand is going up by saying, Lord, use me in 2021 and 2022 and until the day I die. Raise up your hand if you want the Lord to use you on micro levels and on macro levels. Well, you'll be a man or a woman that stands in the gap and says, Lord, here am I, send me. Give me that helmet. Give me a shield. Give me some boots. Give me the sword and the belt and the breastplate. And let's get after it. Lord, our hands are up and we pray in Jesus' name that in the spirit of Christ, we would go. In the spirit of love, in the spirit of truth, Lord, you would provide for all of our needs. And may every person who writes a check, may every person, Lord, who volunteers to swing a hammer, may every person who brings their, brings their tractor over and clears the land, may every person, Lord, who steps into the arena with you, may they sense your pleasure. You can put your hands down. May they sense your sweetness. And may you guide and direct us, Lord. We thank you so much. I hear the kids upstairs again. May we love the kids. All the kids, Lord. Homeschool, charter school, private school, public school. We pray for our schools. Lord, I thank you for Lincoln County School District. I thank you for the administrators, the principals, Lord. I thank you for this town. It's so cool. Thank you for Sam Case, your Clinton View, Lord. Middle school, high school, Montessori school. Lord, I thank you. 
Thank you for Walport and Lincoln City, Lord, and Salettes and Toledo. For all the education system, I thank you. I thank you for Oregon Coast Community College right up the hill. I thank you. We love you, Lord. Pray you bless us as we go. Lead us and guide us. And as we buy turkeys this week and bring them back on Sunday and give out of the abundance of our own, our own hearts, Lord, we, we pray you make us thankful. And Lord, I intended to teach uh, Colossians 7 through 12. I didn't, so please forgive me. Help me to do it next week. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen, amen and amen. God bless you guys.